Input. Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we've got stories about the problems and promise of electric vehicles. In late July, after two of its riders died in the span of nine days, Revel suspended operations for its electric scooter service in New York City. Now to breaking news of the ride-sharing moped company Revel announced it's suspending its New York operations. This comes after a second person died this morning while riding one and following our reports demanding answers on safety concerns. Before that happened, Input News writer Ian Cervantes was injured in a Revel accident of his own. In a recent piece, Ian investigated how safe Revel scooters are for the average person and questioned the company's policies. Here he is reading an excerpt from his story. I questioned how responsible it is for Revel and any service like it to make its scooters so freely available after my own accident. Like many other riders, I was attracted to the ease of use and prices that made any trip cheaper than taking an Uber. And of course, the scooters are fun to ride. A spring and summer full of Revel rides had me flirting more than ever with a lifelong temptation for a motorcycle. That was until my scooter came out from under me and dragged me along Brooklyn's Bushwick Avenue. Welcome back to the show, Ian. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm glad I'm uh, here to, to be on it still. Yeah, I'm very glad to hear that you're okay. But what can you tell us about your accident? Yeah, so basically I hopped on a Revel to go to a friend's house and it had just rained that day. So I was a little wary of the roads. You know, I thought I was being careful, but I kind of got brake checked out of nowhere from this car in front of me. And I hit the brakes. I think I hit the front brake more than the rear brake. So it ended up skidding out from under me and kind of took me for a little drag. That must have been quite a scare, but do you now find Revel's entire business model to be irresponsible? After that, and this was even before, there were the two deaths in New York City that ended up leading to the the suspension of service that's still ongoing. But I was kind of questioning the safety of it from my own account, and I started talking to some people from the Vespa Club of North America just to talk to some experts and see what they think of making these things so accessible and and what people really know to write them. And from my conversations with them, I don't really think that these things should be treated any differently than motorcycles. The laws really vary state by state on what constitutes a motorcycle or a Vespa and whether you need a license or not. But I think it's clear that the danger is kind of the same. I thought it was interesting what one of the experts told you that even though these things top out about 30 miles per hour, you think you're you know, going slowly enough not to mess yourself up. But that's kind of an illusion, isn't it? Yeah. Most motorcycle accidents actually happen under 30 miles an hour. I think that kind of goes along similar to cars. Like you're more likely to get in an accident and kind of those short, slower trips than on any longer or faster trips. So yeah, there's kind of this illusion that, oh, I'm not going that fast. I'm going to be fine. But as he put it, it doesn't really matter. You can still fuck yourself up. So you reached out to Revel. What did the company tell you? You know, a lot of it is kind of PR speak and them expressing their sympathies and saying that they're committed to safety. They said they're working on some new policies that include a user confirmation of wearing a helmet, which I am imagining is just going to be a prompt that says, like, are you wearing it? Yes, I am. I've seen some conversations online that think that they should actually have some sort of sensor to tell if you're wearing it, but it doesn't seem like that's in the works. They're also working on an in-app safety exam, but I'm just really not sure that any of these things are going to be enough. I think 
when it comes down to it, it's really the laws that should change and people should probably have some training going into it. But then they also acknowledge, you know, something that they've known from the beginning that it is risky. And I don't think that's necessarily a risk created by them. Like, you know, anytime you hop on a scooter like this, it's going to be risky. But by them putting out all these scooters on the road, that's going to be exposing a lot more people to it. And they might not be aware of the risk that they're taking. You can follow Ian on Twitter at Ian underscore Cervantes. Now on to today's second story. At BMW, we've always been at the forefront of sustainable mobility. We continue to push forward at a fast pace. BMW recently announced that by 2023, it's planning on introducing more than 20 electric cars, including versions of its 5 and 7 series sedans and its X1 crossover. Should Tesla be worried? InputMag.com news editor Craig Wilson wrote about BMW's announcement and what it means for the industry. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. BMW has confirmed that it's planning to release electrified versions of its X1 crossover and 5 series and 7 series sedans. The vehicles are part of the company's stated goals to have 25 plug-in hybrid or fully electric vehicles in its lineup by 2023. And it's also hoping to cut CO2 emissions by up to 40% across the lifestyle of new vehicles by 2030. More importantly, it means that soon Tesla may face serious competition in the US. Welcome back to the show, Craig. Always great to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. The goals you just described are pretty ambitious on the part of BMW. They're extremely ambitious, Mark. And what worries me a little is that BMW's made these sorts of pronouncements before. The 25 plugins or fully electric cars by 2023. We've been hearing that for about two years now in various iterations. And so the question is, are we going to see all of these? Because that really means they've got to put out a dozen cars each year for the next two years. And that seems like quite a big ask, even for a company of BMW scale. So not all these vehicles will actually be available in the US. Which ones might we expect on these shores? Inevitably, some of them are not going to come here. That's right. Because unfortunately, BMW has taken a pretty conservative approach to which of its electrified cars it's going to bring here. So for example, it recently launched the iX3 in Europe, and we're just not getting that car at all. And that's a sort of mid-sized crossover slash SUV, which would be good competition for the most recent Tesla. So we have to wait and see how many of these come across. Part of the argument from BMW is that Americans like big cars, but whether that's necessarily true when it comes to this sort of crossover space and whether it's true when it comes to perhaps younger buyers remains to be seen because it is still offering its electrified mini in this market. So of the 20 or so cars that they're planning, which one are you most looking forward to? I guess I'm most interested in the i4, which is a sort of very next-gen looking sedan. Now, that actually started out as a concept alongside the other big concept flagship sort of car for BMW's electrified ambitions, which is called the Vision iNext. Now, both of those are expected in the next two years. And what I'm curious to see is how much of the totally outlandish concept parts of it get ditched and how much of what we've seen becomes a reality, including potentially the 
sort of curious bronze hue they've chosen for them, along with the very controversial grill up front. You know, BMW normally has this sort of kidney grill that is absolutely iconic for the brand and instantly recognizable. But you don't need a grill to sort of do air intake to the same extent on an electric car because all you really have to cool are some batteries and motors. So instead, they've got these sort of what some critics have called buck teeth grill on the front and that's sort of loaded with sensors and that sort of thing. So I'm curious to see how many of these design decisions actually survive in the final production versions, as well as whether, of course, they come out in the predicted timeline. So say you're Elon Musk at Tesla right now. How are you feeling about BMW's plans at the moment? I guess I'm feeling pretty confident about Tesla's prospects in the face of BMW's plans. You know, BMW in many ways had a lead in the electrified vehicle market. They put out the original i3 early in the 2010s alongside a plug-in hybrid supercar that was called the i8. And it looked for a while like BMW was absolutely going to dominate the electric segment. And then, of course, Tesla came out and recently, as recently as this year, has gone on to be the most valuable car maker on earth. This summer, Tesla became the most valuable auto company in the world, surpassing Toyota and claiming a market cap of over $190 billion before continuing its climb. In the process, making Elon Musk even more disgustingly rich than he already was. So I guess I'd be feeling pretty confident if I were Tesla, but I would also be casting an an eye over my shoulder if I was Musk, because the Tesla advantage of being in many ways the only show in town when it comes to high-end luxury electric vehicles is very soon going to vanish. Every single car maker that you've ever heard of pretty much has some sort of electric car in the pipeline. The one thing that Tesla has as a massive advantage for the time being, though, is its charging network. So no one else can match the supercharger network that Tesla's rolled out both across the US and across Europe. And those are just these really rapid chargers that allow you to park the car for sort of 45 minutes or an hour and get most of a full tank of electricity, if you will. And that's the sort of thing that is expected to really help encourage people who might otherwise be reluctant to switch to electric cars to do so. And we need public infrastructure for charging to get to the same kind of level to really erode, I think, what is one of the list of Tesla's real defining features. Well, maybe under a Biden administration, who knows? <laughs> oh, fingers crossed. I mean, if this has shown us anything, it's that anything's possible. You can follow Craig on Twitter at Craig Wilson, and I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find Input Output on your smart speaker or whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening.